fictional friends and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shereen. And we are continuing with our coverage of horror here for the month of October over on the podcast and also over on our website at fullybooked.ca. Um, and I guess today we wanted to take a turn towards like I guess much more standard horror. Mm. We talked about Interview with the Vampire yeah. the last time we were talking about a movie. And I guess this time we wanted to go with a classic that I think a lot of people don't realize is based on a book necessarily. I don't think so because I think it's so iconic as a movie. That yes. It, it's just one of those movies that's so iconic that you forget. Yes. The book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so today we're talking about The Exorcist released in what, 1973? Um, yeah. And based on the 1971 novel by William Peter Blatty, uh, who coincidentally also wrote the screenplay. That's interesting. This month we're talking about authors writing their own screenplays yeah, as well, apparently. which you can tell because of how, I guess, detailed the films are, if that makes sense. I don't know. It feels like they follow the book pretty closely. Yeah, they follow the book and the story pretty closely. So I think you can tell. What are you doing right now? I'm looking for The Exorcist. I'm sure I have it on the shelf here somewhere. The book? The book. I think Dan has it. I don't even think I own a copy of the book. I'm sure I have something. I'm not <laughs> sure if it's a book or if it's a VHS, but I've got something. That's probably a copy of the movie. I think it might be, actually. See? There you go, bringing our point around that I think a lot of people don't realize or haven't read the book necessarily, but I, I don't know. I haven't actually read this book, but I do think that it's fairly close to the the film yeah yeah I think and also if you consider that they were released two years apart like the book came out two years later the movie came out um yeah I feel like it's like William Peter Blatty published his novel and was writing the screenplay at the same time well kind of yeah I mean with that timeline and you know I think that it's quite impressive that in like the early 70s they went ahead and made True. a movie out of a book like this I feel like it would have been very um oh it's word are you thinking of taboo? Maybe? Well, not taboo, but um, you know, not sensational. Wow, well, it's gone. I guess sensational would. Yeah, no, I think you might be right. Yeah. I think sensational. Would, oh, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. if you look at any of the original, uh, they, there used to be, like, there were news cameras at the time mm. who were grabbing um, quick interviews with people when they were leaving the theater, like, after having watched yeah. it. This movie was fucking wild yeah. for the time. Oh, um, yeah. People were saying, like, they were like, oh, I couldn't even look at it. People were like, I fainted while yeah. I was in there. People wanted to throw up. Like, there was so I'm much. I'm surprised. And, like, the thing, like... I watched this movie for the first time Yeah, yesterday. this is the first time watched for Shereen. I honestly had no clue what this was about. Like, I, I kind of knew, like, obviously, like, you know what you, it's about. Yeah, like, it's that kind of film. If, yeah. Even if you don't know, you know. You know. But, um, you know, it's when you said to me, oh, who do you think actually was the exorcist? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? What like, are you where talking is this about? going We now? were, like, halfway through the film, and I was just like, I'm going to need you to tell me at the end who you think the exorcist was. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'll be honest, um, it really only dawned on me yesterday that the title, The Exorcist, is yes. actually about the person who performed the exorcism. Yeah, it's not called The Exorcism. Right, and it really, it only dawned yeah. on me yesterday that it's not actually called The Exorcism because... <laughs> Who's the title character? All the time, it's I was fine. like, yeah, yeah, The Exorcism. <laughs> exactly. Um, again, anyway, it's one of those, I'm hoping people are interested in this because I'm sure a ton of people would agree that they've probably seen this movie or seen parts of this movie but never read the book yeah. and they've possibly never seen the film all the way through because it's also one of those That's scary and I think it's one of those yeah. movies too that like because it's so it exists in like the canon of pop culture yeah. for the last 40 odd years it's one of those movies that you 
re- you think you've seen the movie, but you haven't seen the movie because you're so aware of it, yeah. <laughs> but you've not actually watched it from start to finish. Like Friday the 13th. Yeah, like a lot of Halloween those. And yeah, and all yeah. those, like a lot of the big ones that came out within like the two decades of the 70s and the 80s, I feel, that were yeah. big deals, horror or not, mm. or otherwise, even if you've not seen them. I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who have never watched E.T., but they think that they have. It's true. I have actually watched E.T. There you go. That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, E.T. is terrifying. It is terrifying. E.T. as, like, himself, the alien design is so fucking scary. Oh, I know. <laughs> there was nothing endearing about that character. No. But we're here to talk about another small, scary <laughs> character oh, today. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it and let's talk about some possessions, buddy. <laughs> there are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! Uh, So this movie was released, like I said, in 1973, currently has, unsurprisingly, an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb and an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I don't think anybody's shocked about that. This is a very highly regarded movie. Yeah. Uh, This, just a couple of fun facts, I guess, off the bat, because you can do that with classic films, which I love. Um, Yeah. uh, The Exorcist was the first horror film truly horror film to ever be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And there haven't been that many since. No, I think there have been, I can probably count them on one hand, like actual true horror films that have been nominated for Best Picture, let alone the ones that have won, maybe maybe one or two. Silence of the Lambs is the only one I can think of. Did this not win Best Picture? It didn't. No. no. Well, it was not this was nominated I don't know what won that year actually it was nominated for I'm going to tell you right now it was nominated for it won two it was nominated for 10 Oscars wow it was it won two it won best adapted screenplay and best sound mixing which I kind of understand yeah, because of all sense. the yeah. all the possession Reagan shit and yeah. stuff and even the things at the beginning in the the cold open of the film in Iraq that everybody forgets about yeah there's a lot of sound stuff where it's very quiet and then suddenly very loud I thought we were watching the mummy at first <laughs> Shereen was like, wait, what is this? When we started the movie, she was like, what? I was like, oh, we're watching The Mummy again. No. Um, (laughs) This movie was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Ellen Bernstein, Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Miller, Best Director for William Friedkin, Best Cinematography, Production Design, and Film Editing. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked that none of the uh, people who were nominated won for this. Like, yeah. Jason Miller is like Father Karras would have been good. You mean Rocky? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Shereen kept on talking about the fact that his character looks a lot like Sylvester Stallone. And side note, that character, Father Karras' character, used to box, I think. Like, it's that's like in canon well, in the story. There's so many montages of him like running, running. around and like working <laughs> out, you know? Uh, one guy with a big nose and dark hair, eh? And you're just like, oh, it's <laughs> Rocky. <It's> Rocky. <laughs> And the 70s backdrop. Yesterday I was joking that I'm pretty, we watched this yesterday, and I'm pretty sure that Shireen only put that together because Rocky's one of the other only other movies from that entire decade that she's watched. What was the other one I said? Oh, uh, shit. I don't remember. There was like two movies from the 70s that I've seen in my life. Yeah. And they were like, yeah. Because there was like, the, like, now you've seen this, but there were like two other ones that you were like, I've seen this. And I was like, I don't even know if that came out in the 70s. <laughs> here for the education <laughs> that's what i'm here for too but for like the opposite yeah. part of it yeah. 
Um, so I guess quick, uh, very brief rundown kind of before we get into some of like the major plot points, this movie's very long. It's almost three hours long. So like I, we cannot talk about every aspect of it because we'd be here forever if we go beat by beat. Yeah. This is not an 80 minute movie. We're going to be here forever. So. Also, side note, Megan was pretty mad at me because we had agreed to watch this before. Oh my she God. Came over. I just spent, in the last three days, I've spent six hours of my life just watching The Exorcist because <laughs> I had to watch it I was twice. Like, so I didn't watch it. You should have just texted me Friday and been like, can we just watch it Saturday? And I, I like, had okay. full intentions to watch it after interview with the vampire. And then you fell asleep. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> kind of, which is kind of understandable. Interview with the vampire lulls in the middle. It really does. In the bits without Lestat, it kind of... It, it, it's not as fun. No, like, no. He's God. fun. Brad Pitt was asleep during that movie. He was. Yeah, he was bored as fuck. Anyway. Check out our previous episode. Yeah, all about... Where we complained a little bit about that because it was, it was annoying. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, brief rundown of plot synopsis. If you're kind of like aware, but not aware of what this movie is actually about, um, basically it follows a mother and daughter, uh, who are struggling because the daughter has been acting very strangely. They, she thinks that she's ill. Like her mom thinks yeah. that she's sick. Uh, she's been kind of having hallucinations, almost seeing things and acting very out of character. And of course, her mom is very concerned and goes through the entire process of the like what the general medical community will be able to give her with yep. this. Finds nothing, unfortunately, that really helps anything because she goes through every kind of physical ailment and then psychological problem that mm -hmm. could be occurring um, and is brought to the conclusion that maybe this is something supernatural to a certain extent and that she will need kind of the help of the church instead of the help of the medical community well the funny thing is that it's the medical community like the doctors that who bring it up on this because they really are at a loss and uh, Megan mentioned this while we were watching it it's interesting because um, this was made in the 70s and they really did exhaust all possible like logical avenues I really before love... they go to yeah like the Catholic Church. Yeah, like, oh, maybe you need an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. I really like that because yeah. this was, you know, this film was made at a time where, like, a lot of people, you know, were much more, I guess, overtly religious than what you tend to see now. Yeah. And, or at least respectful of it, if nothing else, I think. Even if you didn't practice very much, you were still respectful of religion and the idea of religion in a way that I don't think people do as much anymore. Well, I think it just it just occupied a lot more of our day-to-day. -day. Yes. Like, it was just kind of like, you know, religion was something, you know, going to church or just... Pro it wasn't weird acting. to do that. It wasn't, like, out of character. Like, it was just, you know, it wasn't more like, okay, oh, these people go to church every Sunday? Oh, no one does that anymore. Oh, it's not as many people who do that anymore. I think it was a lot more prominent yeah. in yeah. the 70s still, you Yeah, know? that's it. And so, I, but I guess in seeing this, what I appreciated about that was that um, the mother's character, her name is Chris, uh, she's like a lot more pragmatic and she's much more her character is much more modern she's a single mom mm -hmm. who's taking care of her daughter she's a famous actress yes. like quite famous Very because she's famous. yeah she's yeah. being invited to dinners at the white house she's being photographed and we see her on the cover of entertainment magazines yeah. that her daughter has um and she's still she's also just I, first of all, I love her character because she's a really good mom. Yeah. Um, she really loves her daughter. She really cares about her. They're in Washington, just for context. Like, they're shooting a movie in Georgetown, I believe. So they're mm -hmm. there for a period of time to do that. And she's 
going and, you know, she's doing her job well. She's shooting this film. Mm. But there's even mention, I, you probably don't catch it, but you have to watch the movie more than once, I think, to understand what's happening. In but the there's space of two days. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> a conversation between her and her daughter where she's talking about, like, the fact that her birthday's on, uh, oh, your birthday's on a Sunday this year, so yes. we can go do this, and we'll, on the weekend we'll go to a movie and stuff because Chris has worked her schedule, even as somebody very in demand, where she never works Sunday, so she's always with her daughter on Sundays. Yeah, and um, the other thing we we pointed out about this character as we were watching it is that she's very down to earth and very kind. Yes. Like, you know, as they're going through this investigation and she's got all these different people coming through the house to see what's going on with her daughter, she's still being very, like, you know, welcoming and trying to, you know, be a good hostess. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has... Uh, staff who work for her, like yeah. a housekeeper and kind of like a driver slash probably groundskeeper handyman right. type of thing there. Carl, mm. uh, the German guy there who works with her. There's right. like a German couple basically, I think, who are working for her. Um, who, you know, like they're doing a lot around the house and everything. You know, like you've got like, you know, the wife is like making breakfast and doing all yeah. of this stuff and he's like cleaning things up around the house and everything. However, you know, when she has people come through the house, uh, she's still, she's the one who like makes them coffee yeah. and does that stuff and like cleans up on her own. Like she's not a prissy Hollywood type in what no, you would expect someone to be Good like. role model for her daughter. You yes. Know? Yeah, exactly. And you can see that she's, you know, and there, there are, and it's good to see as well that there are like the usual struggles in the sense that Chris's character, like, so she's divorced ex-husband's also an actor yeah. and he's there in the states filming he is somewhere in rome i believe filming a movie mm -hmm. and she still has the even like the usual struggles as a woman who i'm pretty sure is divorced mm -hmm. uh you know where like reagan's birthday the daughter's name is reagan reagan's birthday's coming up and uh you know he should be calling her he doesn't call her and she has like a proper mom freak out where she's like he can't even fucking call his daughter on her birthday yeah. Like, what's wrong with him, you know? And, like, in a way that every mom would be. So you forget, you forget that she's supposed to be a famous Hollywood type most I, of the time. I kept forgetting yeah. until, like, the scenes would come in where she was being invited somewhere or somebody would ask her for her autograph. Like, I'd be like, yeah. why? Or then, like, having a fancy party yeah. and, like, doing stuff and, like, having directors around and everything. You're like, wait, what? Why? why? And then you're like, oh, right. <laughs> she's why. supposed to be famous. Yeah, you yeah. forget most of the time. And I think that that's... A big credit to the writing and also her portrayal mm. of the character, too. Um, so the opening of the film, which I think everybody forgets um, most of the time, the movie forgets about it for an hour. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, later she's like, what happened to the old priest? I know. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, yeah. why did we start in ancient Egypt? Like, we what did. does that have to do with anything? And then... <laughs> I'm like, Shireen, there's a card that just said Northern Iraq. And you were like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're at an archaeological dig in Iraq and you meet um, the first of several priests in this film uh, named Father Marin, who's like the older, I guess, of the two main priests that we spend our time with throughout the course of the film. Um, I told Shireen this and she was also happily surprised for the whole movie, oh, is yeah. that uh, Father Marin was played by Max von Sydow and I think that his character is meant to be like at least in his mid-70s or older. Yeah. He was played by a 44-year-old actor, and they just put really good prosthetic makeup so on good. him. And I think that the combination of a really good makeup job, like excellent mm -hmm. makeup, plus 
um, Max von Sydow's capability to just play a character that's a lot older than him. Like, yeah. he, you know, he shakes, like, the way that he walks, the way he carries himself, mm -hmm. the way he expresses himself, and even, like, articulates. He seems like an older person. Yeah. The first time I ever watched the movie, I just thought he was in his 70s. Like, yep. I just assumed that it was an older actor. But no, nope. good for him. Yep. Can't believe he wasn't nominated. So weird. Anyway. I know, he did such a good job. And yeah, the think. makeup was crazy. I thought, you know, when you when it zoomed in, it was almost like a mask that he was wearing. Kind of. It was so good. Yeah, really good. Especially if you consider the time that they were doing it at. Mm. Like, they have trouble doing stuff like that now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now they would just CGI a face on top of his face. Yeah, they would pull a fucking Martin Scorsese there with the Irishman or whatever and make Joe Pesci uh, and Robert De Niro look younger, younger for the whole movie. Instead yeah. of just casting younger people. No, we can't do that. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> I don't care that they're really we have good five actors. actors in no, Hollywood. but I mean, like, wonderful. Of course they're good, but like, yeah. you could have just. Anyway, doesn't matter. We digress. <laughs> anyway, um,. Who we, you don't really get very much context during this first scene, but he's at an archaeological dig and he discovers first a totem and then an entire statue of this demon called Pazuzu, but you don't know that until later. Um, and it's like that funny statue of like a little, a little bird dog yeah. <laughs> with little claws out that yeah. he sees on the hill. And I'm pretty sure that this entire thing is supposed to be foreshadowing to a certain extent of like what's to come. Yeah, but it's like, it, how would you even, like, interpret that you as wouldn't. foreshadowing? I, like, you have to see this movie several times, I, I know, think, to be like, like oh, okay. Well, yeah, like, you were explaining it to me as we were watching it, but if I had been watching it on my own, I would have been like, what I have the, no clue what's going Sharon on. Sharon would have been like, what is this opening scene? I thought this was about a demon possessing a little girl. I would have been like, uh, what movie I'm am I watching, watching the wrong movie. Yeah. I would have turned it off. <laughs> Except like, but there's a title card right at the beginning, so you true. do know that it's, it's The Exorcist. Well, I would have thought it was, like, a weird adaptation of The Exorcist. Yeah, I guess. Um, so then we cut totally away from the desert because he leaves um, Iraq and says that he's going back to the States. I want to know why he was there in the first place. And like He was on an archaeological dig to find some sort. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I wish I under... I don't... I'm sure, you know what, if I looked it up, I could probably find probably. it, but I have no idea. So we cut to Washington to Georgetown where that's it, like we were speaking about before, Chris McNeil, who is a famous actress. She's in Georgetown for a number of months, I assume, shooting a film with her daughter, Reagan, and um, also her assistant, Sharon, I think. Yes. Yeah, basically. She's like her assistant slash nanny slash I'm not really sure. She takes care of Reagan during the day, so. Her BFF. Yeah, whatever. Um, she's... Basically, she lives in a nice house, like a nice mm -hmm. big house while they're there, which again, like, speaks to the fact that, like, this woman has money, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, at the same time as we're kind of introduced to them and their really nice mother-daughter dynamic that they have going, you also meet um, Father Karis, Damien Karis. I've always really liked the name Damien. I don't know why. Interesting. I like it. I don't know what it is. I like the name. All right. Well, I guess we know... Wait, your firstborn son's oh gonna be named. Yeah, right, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that. We'll see. Um, who is Father Karras is sort of experiencing? Uh, he, you know, like works An and lives in Washington. Crisis. It is, yeah. It's yeah. a crisis of faith, basically, where he's almost trying to get himself pretty much just like transferred out of the priesthood. He doesn't feel that he should be there because he doesn't feel that he has enough faith 
to continue to do what he's doing. So he's training to become a boxer. No, he's not. Adrian. Oh my God. No, he used to box. He also has studied psychiatry. So he is a priest, but he's also like their psychiatric liaison basically that they use in certain instances. Which again, like I appreciate because it's like progressive. It does feel that way. It felt very progressive. It does. I was like, all right, okay. It's weird. It feels more progressive than a lot of uh, religious based films that you see now, which is interesting, but whatever. Um, So he's kind of dealing, he's dealing with a lot of different personal issues, his own crisis of faith, I think, because he feels, I think he feels unhappy and ungrateful for the way that his life Mm. has turned out. And he's also struggling. He has a mother in New York who is ill um, and injured. She's done something to her leg, probably from a fall Mm. and is, you know, he wants to put her into maybe like, you know, like a, like an assisted living facility or something, move her closer to him, but she refuses, which like you see that on a pretty regular basis with Mm. people who don't want to leave the home that they're used to, Mm. uh, even after they get to a certain age, like it's difficult for people, I think, to decide, make that decision and adapt to something like that. And adapt to the idea that they can't take care of themselves anymore. I feel like that would be difficult. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, that's the most difficult thing is, like, to get to the point where you have to acknowledge that you are at a certain age and there are certain things that your mobility just doesn't allow you to do anymore. And that, that's hard. Like, I, if I put myself in that situation, like, for sure, I would, I would fight against that. Yeah. It's easy for us to say now, like, okay, but you need to do this because it's better for you. But, you know, if I make it to my 80s, I might not feel that way. Like, let me live in my house. I'm going to attach a bunch of balloons to it. Yeah, that's it. But, you know, and she's just, like, she's always checking on him. She just wants, like, Demi to have a happy life because she just calls him Demi all the time and it's (laughs) cute. Um, So he's struggling a lot with that. At the same time, um, this is, we're kind of getting the idea that there's something up. First, there's something up in the house that Chris and Reagan are living in because Chris is hearing weird noises in the mm. attic that she thinks are rats because, like, it's a reasonable assumption. I just, it just makes me laugh that she goes and, like, investigates it. I know, like, she's, she's so like, cute. oh, there's, like, a big crash and loud noise. It I'm going to go rats. up to the attic. I'm going to go up to the creepy attic with nothing but a She candle. doesn't know she's in a horror movie. Yeah, train. I, know, <laughs> I know, but it's just like, oh, boy. Like, even if I wasn't in a horror movie, I'd be scared. Yeah, I know. I probably wouldn't do that. (laughs) So, um, you know, and they've put like rat traps up in the attic, but there are no rats. So like nothing is being caught in any of these traps, but the noises are still occurring. And at the same time, Reagan is slowly starting to demonstrate sort of weird signs that Mm -hmm. she's not been well. Apparently, like physically, she's not been feeling very well. And she's acted erratic Mm -hmm. under certain circumstances. She'll say strange things, do strange things that don't, that aren't like in character basically that don't seem to make any sense that her mom's really can like concerned about. Um, and I guess one of the first instances that you get that you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe there was like a little something where like something was, something sort of was potentially going to happen to them. But then like Reagan inadvertently, she's like 12 Mm. invited the idea of it in because like they're in the basement and Chris finds a Ouija board yes. that Reagan says, oh, I've been playing with it. And, you know, she's a kid and she's just doing it however yeah, she's like doing kids it. do. And she says that she made a friend from it who she calls Captain Howdy. 
Yes. And Chris is like, oh, that's interesting. And she thinks it's like an imaginary friend thing. Yeah. I think Reagan's a little too old for an imaginary friend. She's supposed to be 12. I know that Linda Blair looked a bit older, but apparently she was only like 13 or 14 when she made really? the movie. She looked yeah. old. She like, looked I think it's because she's quite tall, maybe. 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 I think that's what, because her face looked young, but she seemed tall to me. Yeah, she seemed like she could be yeah. 15 or 16. Again, I'm five feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Everybody tall, you're like, well, they must be older well, than me. they must be older than me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> so, Reagan uh, plays, yeah, supposedly plays, quote unquote, with Captain Howdy and mm-hmm. talks to him and apparently he answers her through the Ouija board, which is like, it could be an imaginary thing, friend thing, but it's weird. That would freak me out a little bit if I were a parent and my kid were saying that, I'd be like, okay, maybe we should just put this Ouija board away and not use it. Put this away and not talk about this ever again. Well, even the first time that she goes to be like, yeah, yeah, we, we play with it together. I move around the paddle and he answers me when Reagan, when... Chris goes to touch the paddle that Reagan already has her hands on, it moves by itself. Yeah. And she's like, okay. But people don't know they're in a movie, so they, like, don't realize until later that there's something going on. Well, yeah, I mean, you try to rationalize these supernatural... Yeah, that's it. Um, So, and at the same time, we get a lot of... You jump back and forth a lot between the different characters and what they're experiencing. So we've got some of Chris and Reagan, some of Father Karras, and then at the same time, there's just one scene also that again is giving the indication that there's some sort of potentially demonic presence Mm. in town like around somewhere that's somehow come into I guess this area because there is a priest who's setting something up in one of the larger looking churches I Mm. guess in the area and he turns around and the statue I forget if it's the statue of the Virgin Mary or not behind him has been desecrated right there's like a penis on it and some horns and stuff and you're like well what yeah like (laughs) yeah like this there was a lot of very vulgar moments in this oh, movie, yeah. which, which actually caught me off guard because, you know, you don't always think, okay, like horror, like vul- vulgarity. Not always. Man, not always. I was really expecting just a bunch of jump scares and stuff, but um, like the vulgarity almost made it like campy a little bit. It did. Like, it did. I could see, I think in the 70s it would have been mighty shocking yeah. to have like a 12-year-old girl saying things like your mother sucks cocks in hell. Which was Hilarious. That was really funny, but um, but now, yeah, now it'll kind of make you laugh more than yeah. anything. At the, I think at the time, people would have been like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Yeah. Um, but now, you know, there have been so many more films made that are in the same style or were even inspired by something like this yeah. that have like a similar tone. That now, yeah, when you watch an original with like an earlier way of doing things, you can't help but like teehee about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was basically what we were doing. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny. Yeah, that's it. Um, So we basically, we're seeing that that's it. Something's wrong in the house and something's also wrong in the general priesthood community. Like something's Mm -hmm. going on. There's Mm -hmm. something around. There's something dark and malevolent. Right. That that nobody can quite figure out. Nobody's quite sure of what's going on. At the same time as this is happening, Chris has a party at her house for a bunch of... um, like the people that she's working on the film with, the director's there. He's very British. He gets really drunk and then yeah. starts calling her uh, one of her staff there, Carl, her like driver and stuff. Yeah. He starts calling him a Nazi, and I was like, wow, yeah, because Carl's character is German. German. So um, this was the seventies. Yeah, he starts asking him what like what work he did for the Gestapo oh, and everything, boy. and I was like, oh my goodness, okay. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, makes an ass of himself because he's like two she- three sheets to the wind, two sheets to the wind, whatever that expression is. Um, and 
Yeah, it is a thing that people okay. say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, anyway, they see Burke out to a car. They're like, oh, okay, there you go get in the taxi and you go home. Bye. Because um, he's just like, basically he's like leaning on both of them. Yeah. Uh, we also meet one of the other priests at this time. His name's Father Dyer. Mm. Who You were like, why is there a priest at this party? And I was also like, oh, I don't know, man. Like so confused. <laughs> like with like the, the merging of Hollywood and the church in this movie. Like, I mean, it like, works. Everybody's cool. They're like, I mean, it happens with Scientology. So well, I guess. guess. Like, Catholicism in the 70s. I'm not a regular priest. I'm a cool priest. I know? loved it. <laughs> it was funny because, yeah, him, Father Dyer and Father Karras uh, both have that vibe. Mm. Like they drink, they smoke. They're down with it. Well, yeah. Father Karras looked like the priest that's in Dairy Girls, the one that they all think is really cute. Yeah, I hate that priest, though. He's, he's funny. He's so weird. <laughs> I can't figure out if he's supposed to be a pedophile or not. I don't know. I don't know what they're going for in that show, but he's it's very, funny. But it's it's funny just because of the circumstance. But anyway. Right. Um, so at the party, they're all, you know, drinking, laughing, having a good time karaoke happens sort of at the piano and Reagan comes downstairs she was obviously asleep she woke up she came downstairs and one of the party goers she just looks at him and says like you're gonna die up there yes and then pees on the floor yeah uh so everybody's uncomfortable obviously and they're not sure of what to do you know Chris is um thankfully less embarrassed and more concerned yeah which I, again, it's yeah. a nice shade to the again, character. She's a good nice. mom. She's a great mom. Very down to earth. We love her. Exactly. Um, and so after the party is where we first start to really see things start to affect them in a more, I guess, physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chris has sent everyone off home. The party is over. She's put Reagan back to bed. But then when she starts coming down the stairs, she hears her like a huge amount of like rattling around mm-hmm. and Reagan starts screaming for her. She runs into the room and the bed is shaking back and yeah. forth, like rattling up and down and back and forth, like to the extent that Chris jumps on the bed with her daughter and it doesn't stop moving. Right. You know, it's still just like rattling back and forth. So this I think is the beginning for her of starting to question whether or not this is just a medical issue. I think this is where it starts a little bit. Mm. Um, In the meantime, unfortunately, also what's happened is Father Karras's mother has passed away. Mm. She had injured herself again at home. She wasn't found for like a couple of days apparently. And then she died shortly thereafter. And he's, of course, he's very guilty about this. He feels awful. He doesn't know what to do about this. This is the first time you see that him and Father Dyer are friends. Like they Mm. live in the same seminary what do you call it I don't know I don't know Fuck you're asking me yeah I don't know sorry guys I was baptized Protestant and I'm not very religious so I and have no I idea I was not baptized anything there you and, go and uh you know got everything going on here yeah Muslim so father Anglican mother Jewish husband yeah we're not uh <laughs> we're not the best nope. for keeping up with I guess like sort of like different religious practices across well, across the, the terminology world. that goes with each one yeah I've got know? no idea so um Karis at this point as well he starts to I think because of his guilt too he starts to have some really strange dreams most of it is like you know you can tell it's guilt-ridden stuff he's seeing his mom trying to get to her but there are also flashes of like a demonic looking face yeah they are like wait what (laughs) where he's starting to see that there's some entity 
mm-hmm. around uh, that, you know, is maybe trying to get to him as well that he's not quite too sure about. But I also get the feeling that he's kind of fighting it too. Like, he, I think he's he, also like not consistently. being like... consistently. Yeah, like, he's not being like, oh my god, like, this is obviously a demon. Like, no, he's just no. kind of like, hmm. Because he also, <laughs> he has a psychology degree. Exactly. And he's also not going to, despite his faith, you know, in God yeah. and in his religion, he's not... He doesn't do that. He spends most of the movie railing against the idea yeah. of this the actually being a possession, yeah. like a legitimate no, I possession. I, I really love that about this movie. Like, I, I really felt like they did everything very tastefully. Like, they were respectful yeah. to religion, but they were also respectful to, like, you know, ex- exploring the scientific yeah. side of things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, after this, we go through a pretty, like, a long period of time of kind of uh, Chris taking Reagan through some like various different medical testing. Mm. They do a lot of different scans. There's a really particular scan that they do that I know that this this scene specifically really weirdly even not just the possession stuff. This oh, scene, yeah, this medical that. scene affected a lot of people when the film was released I felt as well. Triggered yeah, it. it's it's uncomfortable to watch where yeah. they had to um, you know put like fluid through Reagan's neck basically. So they do like you know they give her a shot and whatever but then they have to stick a tube in there and there's quite a bit of blood that comes out and I think people were really bothered by that which is understandable and also the rest of a lot of the medical stuff that they're doing it looks realistic like Mm. it looks potentially like that's what they would have been doing at the time so I can understand that people would have been a little triggered by that um Here's my one weird fun fact, not fun fact, it's actually a bad fact that I'm going to drop right here. Um, In this scene, obviously you have a couple of actors playing doctors, Mm. right? But you also have um, a radiological technician who's one of the characters who's there who's just assisting with this. This person, this guy, I guess he was just, he acted in a couple of films, but he actually was a radiological technician, this human being. Years later, he was uh, arrested and convicted for murder, and he's believed to have committed several others. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I forget what his name was, I think it was Paul something, but he was, yep, he was arrested and tried and convicted of murdering a journalist, and he is believed, supposedly he is believed to have murdered uh, several other gay men in New York City. Um, Yeah, I don't think they've ever gotten like a confession or anything solid on that, but they believe that he's potentially a serial killer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. That's one of the many, many things. There's like a whole list of things and I'll try to like get a couple of them out because it's just interesting to hear about. But one of the many things that people believe contributes to this film being considered cursed to an extent. Well, I mean, you know, kind of when you know that there's an extra... (laughs) Yeah, who it turns out killed somebody. Well, many people, like, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Basically, around... Okay, so we've got a slew of medical tests happening. The doctors are also making house calls. Mm -hmm. This is, again, an instance where you get a huge physical manifestation of the possession and of what's happening because, again, Reagan's screaming in her bedroom and they run in and she's, like, flipping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on the bed. Um, And then, like, I don't know how they did that. They must have done a little thing that, like, popped her up like that. You know, it looked like she was a piece of popcorn and she was just like, Well, I think it's also because, like, the bed was moving so 
much. Maybe. Like, and but I it think, was just like the way they were doing it was very specific. Yeah. So it's almost like they put um, like a like a springboard yeah. under her almost and just shot her up several it's times. True. I don't know it how that was achieved. Really hurt. Yeah, I think it might have been the scene previous that when the bed was rattling around. I don't know if it was that one or this one. Apparently, uh, Linda Blair wasn't strapped in properly and she sustained a spinal injury from wow. this. I'm not surprised because they really were moving no. around pretty uh, seriously. This um, scene is also one of the first ones where Reagan speaks in like a really strange low voice mm. that doesn't sound like her at all. That's really strange. Um, and this, and again, in this scene, there's, it's a scene where she just like, okay, cause she gets up at one point, like on her knees and she's just like, fuck me, fuck me. And she's not doing anything, but she's just saying that and like lifting her nightgown mm-hmm. up. Um, and then she like shoves her mom backwards and apparently Ellen Burstein unfortunately fell really hard on her coccyx and okay. also injured herself during production. Cursed. So like she screams when she falls on the floor and apparently that was real cause she really hurt herself. Wow. Yeah. That's why they say it's cursed. It's like, um, what's that one there? That, um, play that's always cursed. Oh, uh, Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you can't say it in a theater before right. a performance. It's bad luck, all that jazz. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after all of this happens, there's one specific evening where, again, things start to be kind of triggered. Um, Burke Dennings, whose character is the director of the film that Chris is starting, starring in. Do we ever actually see this guy? He was the drunk British guy at the party. Right. He's the director. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because, like, yeah, by this time when they're saying, like, that, you know, he's dead, like, he's been found dead, yeah. I'm, like, trying to, like, visualize like, wait, him. who was that? I'm like, who <laughs> was that? Like, what, he's dead now? Like, yeah. Yeah. So he was the, he's the director of the film, and apparently uh, Chris had gone out, um, and I think was meeting with doctors and having meetings and things like that, and going out to try and, you know, deal with some of this. And Sharon, her assistant, went out to get some of the um, medication that Reagan's meant to be taking. And so she left Burke alone at the house with Reagan. And when Chris gets back, she can't find anybody anywhere. She's like, where the hell Sharon? Where is anybody? And, you know, Sharon comes back and she's like, oh, I left Burke here. And she's like, why the fuck would you do that? He's not here. I have no idea where he is. And then pretty much almost right after that, we're told by another character who shows up that Burke is dead because apparently he fell out of the window in Reagan's bedroom. There's this huge stair like stone staircase that exists that leads down to the street level basically from the house from Reagan's bedroom specifically it's accessible apparently he fell out of that room and tumbled all the way down the stairs and there are like five or six flights like it's very long staircase it's very large and uh his head twisted all the way around which is weird. Well, a little bit like the demon keeps yeah, doing to Reagan. Yeah, just strange, yeah, eh? Yeah, I think we've already had one head twist at yeah. this point for Reagan as well. Yep. <laughs> um, she's also getting, of course, you know, nobody understands what's going on and there is a detective who's looking into this because he's like, what the fuck is, like, yeah. what is this? What is and he thinks on? that it's suspicious because it, it's odd that, like, how, even falling out the window, how would he have, how would his head have twisted all the way around? Yep. The level of injury he has doesn't really make any sense. Yep. So... There's a lot of question around that, and he can't help but kind of question, like, well, if he was only in the room with your daughter, like, how did that, how did that happen? happen? And yeah. she was apparently sedated at that time. Um, she's looking terrible, poor Reagan. She's developing, like, sores all over no, herself. It's, it's like a plague again, thing. like, the makeup in this movie is fantastic, and how they very slowly start to, like, show the transformation yeah. on her face. Like, it's really prominent on her lips. They like, get more and more chapped very, as time goes very on. Very chapped, and then she starts having, like, lesions on her face mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, oh, yeah. It would be awful if it were actually happening. Oh, yeah. Awful. Awful. Um, 
Chris at this point has also started visiting like uh, psychiatric facilities mm-hmm. because she's, you know, trying to speak to prominent psychiatrists and figure out like what, you know, potentially could it be something psychological? What's happening? Yeah. They look into options. They're also not finding anything. And it's actually at this meeting that they bring up the idea of exorcism. Right. Now, the way that they describe it, what they're saying is that in having a potential exorcism, it wouldn't actually be that they would be, uh, you know, like saving her from a demon, possessing her and freeing her from that. It would be that psychologically she would associate it with that because of whatever condition she's experiencing. And then based on that, obviously it would sort of write itself Mm -hmm. um, because the suggestion of the demon being exercised from her body would help to fix her, basically. Yeah, you really gotta say like kudos in this situation because it's like, okay, nothing's working. And I think her mom says 88 doctors and I don't know if she's exaggerating, but... Yeah, it's a really specific number though, so maybe not. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you really gotta kind of hand it to them and say... Well, at least they're exploring an option that's not to medicate this child forever. No, you no know? it's like, true. It's, well, let's see what we can do in the realms of, like, the psychological and... Implications. Yeah, yeah. because they say to her, is your daughter religious? And she says no, because yeah. she's like, well, why would she And she be? says, I'm not. I'm not. So. Um, but then in the next scene, when she goes to tuck in Reagan in her bed... Um, she finds a cross under yeah. her pillow. And so it, I think that's the movie's way of saying, well, Reagan's actually religious. It's possible that she has become kind of interested in something herself. Yeah. And it could be through her own just curiosity and it could be through the demon telling her something, her Captain Howdy there who she talks to. It could be through something like that too. Like a suggestion was made to her. She's young. Mm -hmm. So that's... Yeah. So that's entirely possible. So um, around this time... So yeah, she has a conversation with the detective where he's also like... Yeah, you might want to ask your daughter, maybe, you know, what's happened. Um, After this, again, we get another scene. This, I think this is when the head spins backwards the first time, Mm. where, again, there's yelling happening. She runs upstairs into the bedroom. Reagan's doing weird shit. She's stabbing herself in the crotch with one of the crosses that she has, um, which, like, yikes. Um, Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, seriously. Uh, until Chris takes it away from her. The, her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is when her head spins 180 yeah. degrees the first time. Yeah. Um, and this, I think, I think this moment, particularly more than any other, is the one that makes Chris be like, okay, I guess we need a fucking exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> this is not this is normal. not working. No. So yeah. she arranges to meet Father Karras. Yeah. Um, they have a conversation. He also pushes against this a lot he's like no like this is i've spoken to a lot of psychotics this is not possible yeah and he's even saying like you know this used to be popular back in the day when we didn't have all the advancements that we have but now we understand mental illness and we understand certain things to do with psychiatry so i again i really appreciate this part of the dialogue (laughs) it doesn't make you roll your eyes throughout the whole film so even by the oh yeah okay so it's funny so even like you know when you get to the point of the exorcism you're kind of like yep this does feel like the only option doesn't it and like just to set the stage here i have nothing against religion in any way shape or form it's just that some i would have expected that a movie like this and that's my own bias from the 70s yeah would have been a lot more like about religion and yes. a lot more like you know focused on just the religious aspect yes of this whole it's true um yeah so father Karras does agree still to observe reagan to go meet with her to see what's going on he goes to see her at two different instances mm-hmm. um and i think what sets what makes him start to question things is that she 
or the demon, anyhow, whose name is Pazuzu, by the way. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. It's cute, I find. Um, the demon does mention his mother, and, like, there's yeah. no real way that Reagan would have known that he had a mother who just passed away. Right. Um, so she does bring, like, it brings that up and he's like, he's a little thrown off by that. And then, oh, it's when she says that line that you really appreciated. Oh yeah. Cause he goes in, it's so good. Cause he goes in to see it and it's just like a, it starts the sass of the character, which I think is what I really like. He goes in to see, uh, Reagan slash Pazuzu, more Pazuzu at this point, um, who's been basically tied to the bed. Yeah. Uh, because they're violent otherwise. <laughs> and so he starts talking to it, um, and he's just like, you know, it's there, and it's like, it's like, well, you know, what you could do is you could remove, um, you could untie me, like you could loosen the straps. Mm. And he's just like, oh, well, if you are, because, you know, the demon claims to be the devil himself. Right. And he says, he's like, well, if you're the devil himself, can't you just um, do, it do it yourself? And the demon just goes, oh, that would be much too vulgar a display of power. That's yeah. my favorite line. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's very quick-witted and... You just know that Pazuzu's full of shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You're just like, you're just full of shit. Yeah, you? and this and I is... think the priest realizes that as oh, well. He's yeah. like, okay, so I'm not dealing with the devil himself. I'm dealing with something some else. Some other piece of shit. Yeah, that's here. it. So yeah. uh, this is also when we get the first instance of the fucking pea soup vomit. Oh, uh, um, so gross. Yeah, because it, it throws up on this him. This like the one thing that I would have like really <laughs> removed from this movie. Like yeah. It's like it was so not necessary. I don't know. Maybe not as much as it was, but it's fine. Anyway, so it like pukes on him which was yucky apparently I feel bad too apparently that take that they have of it going on his face and then him being like look and like getting it off apparently it was supposed to go on his shirt but it malfunctioned and hit him in the face so that was like a genuine uh, reaction that they got of him being like Ugh. um yeah and he also and also like you know he also gets the um the speaking in tongues or yes. like what he thinks is that at first he has it analyzed and it turns that it it turns out that it's just speaking in English, but backwards. Like that episode of the 70s, that 70s show when they're playing the music backwards. Probably, yeah, because it used to be if backwards. you played rock music backwards, it would yeah. be, it would tell you to like worship the devil or yeah, some garbage. Exactly. Like you know, Satanic Panic was still a thing in the 70s too. Right. Like it, it didn't come full circle until later, but it existed. It did. Um, so when... You know, so Karis visits a couple more times. There are weird things happening. At one point, he goes there in the middle of the night, and they look at Reagan's stomach, and like, "Help me" is like imprinted on her skin. Uh, Super strange. So, strange. so this is at the at this point, he's like, "Okay, yeah." And then never mind. I'm a believer. I'm pretty sure this is actually there is enough. I know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Here. So he yeah. goes to see um, the cardinal. I think would it because he calls him his excellent, your excellency. So I think it would be like the cardinal of their particular branch of the church, I guess. Um, and presents his findings and says, like, I do truly believe that there's enough here to warrant um, an exorcism being performed. Yeah. Like, this seems legit. So, of course, they say, okay, fine, we're going to organize it. We'll have you assist, because he's never done this before. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't really know what he was doing anyway. Uh, but we need somebody, potentially, with experience to help us. And so, finally, we remember, hey, Father Marin's in this movie, too. Yep. <laughs> Which I kept saying, like, where is the other priest? She's like, why did we even see him at the beginning? And I was like, he'll come back. It's fine. Well, it's also Megan's fault for being like, oh, I'm curious to find out who you think the exorcist is. I know, yeah. I had that whole exorcist. <laughs> crisis where I was like oh my god it's Wait. not the exorcism it's the exorcist yeah. <laughs> so uh, Father Marin receives a letter from where he's staying in the states makes the trip over I'm pretty sure just based on his reaction when he gets the letter and how like resigned he seems 
that he knows he's not leaving when he gets there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he knew he wasn't going to make it out of there. I could yeah. be wrong. I don't think Father Karras did, but I think he knew. Yeah. Um, like, he's older. He has a heart condition because we've seen him taking pills. Mm. Um, and he has a tendency to, like, have trouble. Um, so he arrives. You get that really iconic shot of him with his bag mm. outside the car standing in front of the house just under the streetlight yes. that everybody sees. It's the poster for the film yes. and everything. Um, which, you know off the bat would automatically make you be like, oh, well, Father Marin's the exorcist because he's on the cover. Well, that's cover what I was thinking. When he got out, I, I was like, oh my God, he's the exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so he arrives and they begin to perform the exorcism. Um, this is when, for a 2022 audience we can't help but laugh a little bit at some of the stuff just yeah. like you know when they get there like Pazuzu says all this stuff to them about like you know that's it like your mother sucks cocks in hell and like oh, things yeah, like that such a laugh it's quite that. it's just funny um yeah. you know and like all the other lines like that which is like swearing at them and yelling at them they start they do one whole part of the session um and they're both exhausted afterwards they take a break and you see that father Marin's not doing well because yeah, he goes to the bathroom to take one of his pills and he's like very shaky mm. he does not look good there was another vomit scene at this point oh he gets yeah. a bit of vomit as well poor everybody got vomit shots in the face uh, in this film uh, so <laughs> uh, they go back in to do another so father Karras decides to go back in by himself however quickly kind of loses his grasp and his shit because the demon starts speaking like his mother mm. Like, in her voice, legitimately, mm. and blaming him for her death. Like, oh, right. Demi, why did you do this to me? It's and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. it, exactly. Why didn't you help me? Why weren't you there? Like, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But it's all just his own guilt that it's yeah. it's using to its advantage, right. basically. So when he, when Father Marin witnesses this, he's like, you need to go outside for mm-hmm. a bit. Like, I'm going to continue this. I don't think, I don't think you can do this. I don't think you yeah. should be here right now. So he, Father Karras goes outside, hears something a while, like not too, too long later, runs back in and Father Marin's dead on yeah. the floor, probably because something the demon did and his heart gave out. Yeah. I can only assume um, that it triggered like a Unclear. heart attack. Yeah. yeah it's, we're not, we don't really know. I don't think it possessed him or anything because it's still in Reagan at this point. Yeah. Um, so this is the point where Father Karras actually becomes Rocky and loses his shit. I'm telling you. <laughs> because he rips it off the bed and he starts he starts beating it up and oh, he's yeah. also beating he a little girl up. beating up this little girl and I'm like, oh my god, I should not laugh at this. <laughs> but like, like, oh boy. But in the 70s you would have been like, oh my god, is he beating up like is a 12 year old girl? small girl and we were like, teehee. Yeah, that's it. But what he's doing at the same time is he's like, fucking, like, leave her alone. Take me, take me. Yeah. And what happens at the same time is that Pazuzu rips off the um the medallion that uh, father Karras wears of saint joseph that mm. i think his mom had given to him mm. so it rips it off and then at that point because of all of this back and forth he's able to take the demon into him and you see right. actually the change is really good because reagan automatically her color comes back yeah. and his gets like white yeah. basically and he falls backwards poor thing she's just laying there traumatized yeah. and he goes for her like the demon is there so it tries to attack her but father Karras is a grown-ass man mm. and he's stronger and mm. he's also like you know a man of god etc etc yeah sure uh his <laughs> physical strength and faith strength who knows <laughs> he's able to um not do that but he what he's able to do is sacrifice himself by jumping out of her window and actually falling down that same set of stairs outside mm-hmm. that burke had died sort of through mm. um whatever number of weeks ago basically and so that's yeah. what he does so he falls all the way down the steps it's very bloody at the bottom mm. and um 
uh, Chris, you know, runs in, they realize that Reagan's actually okay. Uh, meanwhile, a whole crowd has gathered outside because they've seen this poor man just tumbled all the way mm. down the stairs and is lying basically dead on the floor. Father Dyer shows up and is really upset because they were good friends, yep. obviously. Um, so he shows up and he Asks gives him last him. rites. Yeah, if he wants to give his last confession. Yeah, or that's it. And you just see him like moving his hand like to say yes. Oh, it's so of. sad. It is really sad. But then I'm like, how is this man like still like alive? I don't know. To- he dies right after that. So at least I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, so Reagan has been saved and we're cutting to them uh, packing up to leave. They're headed back to probably LA because that is where they live. But they were shooting the movie in Washington. Mm. And, um, (laughs) you know, Chris is grateful, but obviously asks like, you know, Sharon, her assistant, if they, if she wants to come with them and Mm. stuff, I think Sharon's been traumatized enough by all of this Mm. because she's a little put upon throughout this to just like not understand what's happening. She's like, no, thanks. I'm good. Um, they leave, they do speak to father Dyer very briefly outside. They have like a nice moment where they talk to each other and, um, Chris gives him back the St. Joseph medallion because she found it in Reagan's room. Reagan, I think even though she doesn't really remember anything, I think she's like aware that a priest saved her Mm. because she sees that Father Dyer has shit. I can never remember what it's called, but the little white thing on their collar that priests wear. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. I'm shrugging. Yeah. I'm sorry guys. I have no idea. Um, anyway, she sees that and realizes who he like, just call it a collar. Maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway, and she realizes obviously who he is and what he does. So she gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. Which is nice, and then they kind of, you know, they drive off. He has, like, a little existential moment where he takes a walk and walks to the top of that staircase yes. that um, Father Karras died falling down. looks down, and he's like, nope. And then he's like, and, and he just kind of walks away. Yeah. So, you know, it's nice, and then kind of, like, cut to credits, basically. So yeah. that's the whole story itself. Um, this I want to go through some of this because it's just interesting to me. So if we're talking about why this movie is cursed. I'm Mm -hmm. sure, of course, a lot of this comes from the ideas surrounding religion, particularly at that time, and that people would have been like, oh, you're messing with shit that you shouldn't be messing with by having Latin chants and stuff in your movie, and I'm sure people thought that it was just a bad idea. True. Um, So apparently early on, the set uh, that they had built for the interior of the house uh, was actually destroyed by a circuit breaker fire. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which, with apparently the exception of that, was Reagan's room was untouched. That is so strange. I know. So they so production was delayed. They wound up going over budget several times because production kept being delayed for different reasons. Mm. Later, another set was severely damaged when the sprinkler system activated at one point. Okay. Um, and then there was another two-week delay later because that huge statue of Pazuzu there, the big one, they accidentally shifted to Hong Kong instead of Iraq. As you do. Sure, because those are the same country, (laughs) and that makes sense. Um, Apparently, there were several injuries to cast and crew members. Like I mentioned, Ellen Burstein had a spinal injury. Uh, Linda Blair had a bit of a back injury as as well that she suffered. Mm. Um, Also, uh, all of the scenes in the bedroom at the end where it's cold because you can see everybody's breath, the priests had, like, coats on and stuff, mm-hmm. but Linda Blair only had a nightgown on, and luckily, like, the blankets, and it's funny, because when I, when we rewatched it, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and I realized that the, 
the two actors who played the priest, as they were taking breaks in between, and she was just meant to be lying there, they kept recovering her with the blanket. And I, I noticed think it's because she was cold. cold. Yeah. Uh, and apparently she was. And to this day, she says that she has an aversion to the cold. I, I it don't really blame bugs her. her. Like, it looked very unpleasant in that, yeah. in that room. Um, there were just act, crew member accidents. A carpenter cut off his thumb <laughs> at one point. A lighting technician lost a toe <laughs> in wow. an accident. And there were uh, several deaths among people kind of connected to the cast and crew so the man who played uh brooke dennings the director yeah who dies in the movie also died like four weeks after he finished shooting wow which is super weird um there was a night watchman who passed away uh one of the assistant cameramen apparently his newborn baby died oh my gosh. um uh, linda blair's grandfather died during the first week of the production uh, so she, that was delayed a bit for that. And there was another delay because Max von Sydow, who plays uh, Father Marin, he had to return. He was a Swedish actor. He had to return to Sweden um, after his first day on set because his brother passed away. Wow. Yeah. Um, there were, and apparently um, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, his son at some point during production, they, had, they were on the beach and he was accidentally struck by a motorcycle and almost died. And was in like intensive care for wow, several weeks. That is really cursed. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Like, yeah, there were you know, just a lot start of to different. Mount up and you'd be like, yeah, yeah. There were just a lot of different things. And yes, okay, that's it. Paul Bateson was the name of the radiological technician who was featured in that one scene. Years after the release, he was um, convicted of the murder and the death of a journalist named Addison Barrel. Wow. Yeah. So but there with a were a last name like that. Are you even surprised? Yeah, and a lot of people just reported general bad feelings, mm. you know, during production that like it felt weird, people were uncomfortable, they didn't have a good time. Oh, yeah, so it was all around probably just like a really interesting a really interesting film to make and a really iconic mm. film to make now, uh, but I can understand that, you know, you come away from it a different person, let's say. Well, it's like, you know, a lot of these iconic movies, like Psycho, for example, I think the main character, she never was able to take Janet a shower Lee. again. Yeah. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she never took showers or didn't for several years after, mm -hmm. supposedly, because she had an aversion to them. All of those kinds of things. Wow, I'm looking, can you, I mean, despite everything, though, they did really well for themselves. The budget for the movie was $12 million. Which wow, was that's like, a lot in, yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, but it had, like, it had a pretty, pretty decent effects budget, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and the box office was that it returns were $441.3 million. Well, it is, I think I read somewhere, it is the most profitable horror movie of yeah, all Yeah, adjusted time. for inflation, I believe yeah. that it, it is to this day. Yeah. I don't think there's been another one. I feel so. like they still put this in theaters now and then. I think they do sometimes. Yeah. I've seen it at, uh, like, drive-ins will do it yeah. sometimes in October and stuff like that. You'll see it, it's on TV all the time. Like, right, you know, people no, for sure. People will see it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's The Exorcist. It's a long, it's a long movie, so you have to be willing to kind of commit to it. But weirdly, like, I don't know, I don't get bored watching it, strangely enough. You'd think, like, with some of them, like, you're like, oh, my God, like, this is lulling. Why is this taking so long? But it doesn't really no, feel that way. No, it was a good pace, this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I felt bored during the, the um, interview with the vampire at some points. Um, yeah, it lulls in the middle of the <laughs> This one was very good. The pace was good. Yeah. The storyline was good. Um, if you're like me and you've been hiding under a rock and you've never seen this movie, I recommend that you take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, and you can let us know what you thought of it. 
yes. over on Instagram at Fully Booked CA. You can also check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. Um, and if you're still with us, then please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to the episode because it really helps us get the show out in front of more people. Uh, but until next time, guys, keep on reading. Thanks, everyone.